We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the CR Phantom Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugo. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. Uh, you guys know where to follow us on there, so I'll just continue to plug the YouTube channel. Seahawks Man to Man, that's the number two man on YouTube. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. We are coming to you right after the Seahawks lost to the Dallas Cowboys in their final preseason game. They lost 27 to 26. Uh, the Seahawks 0 and 3 uh, in the preseason, but that doesn't really matter. The third preseason game is always about deciding um, who's going to be a starter versus a backup, who's going to make the team versus being on the practice squad, and who's going to make the practice squad versus being unemployed. Uh, of those three scenarios I just outlined, the most important one, obviously is the quarterback competition. And I first would like to say thank you to Pete Carroll, who did not allow, I mean, this is mostly a media thing, but he did not allow the quarterback competition to be like leaked or have us drag it on through the weekend, have me checking my phone all weekend to see if like some national reporter scooped us or something like that. I have to drop everything because I'm moving this weekend. So that would be awful to just be driving to U-Haul and then, you know, Tom Palacero says Gino's the starter or something. Pete said, screw that. He announced it after the game. He said, hey, unprompted. He was like, hey, look, Gino won the job. He said he's earned it. You know what? Actually, let me read exactly what Pete Carroll said. I think his wording is very important, and Chris and I are going to get into that. Um, Pete said Gino's going to start. Uh, he's going to start the opener. He's earned it. He's won the job. Uh, went on to say that Drew ran out of time and making his bid for it. Um, in the meantime, Drew's got to keep on battling because he can play. He's got all kinds of stuff in him. I want him to be ready at a moment's call. He's going to keep growing and pushing and developing as a fantastic player. I have no problem with playing him, too. We're fortunate to have two guys who can go. If he gets his chance, he'll be ready to go and try to light it up. End quote there. That is from head coach Pete Carroll. And there was some other parts uh, of you know what he had to say and what Geno had to say and what Drew had to say after the game that really gets into why Geno Smith uh, won the job. Um, but I do, I feel like, Chris, we have to start with the most important part of this whole scenario is that 
we watched the game together uh, at my crib. That is very junky again because I am moving. Uh, I think that's the first time we watched the game together. Two years. Yeah, yeah, quite quite some time there. As everyone who listens to the podcast knows, we had a wager on the quarterback competition, and I want to say this to be very clear. I can wager on this and not have that affect my coverage. I got called a Geno Smith homer uh, uh, on online the other day. I think it was today. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, go read everything I've written, tweeted. Like, come on, you would never know that um, I had some skin in the game a little bit." Um, anyway, uh, I won the bet. <laughs> Chris has already given me my hundred dollars. I, in lieu of a accepted speech or an award speech, Chris, the floor is yours. If you would like to say any words at this time after your loss. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, <laughs> I thought oh, Pete's going to go with the guy that has the upside. doesn't really matter. The upside didn't help because guess what? You turn the ball over, it's tough to make a case for you to be a starter. It really is. You could argue, we'll get into it, you could argue that Drew's turnovers cost the Seahawks the game. Points are put on the board because of turnovers. When you do that, you're not making a good case for yourself to be the starter. Gino, he might not have wowed you. He didn't turn the ball over, though. That's what it comes down to. Can you run the offense the way I need you to without turning the ball over? Sure, he had a couple three and outs. Sure, he got sacked. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't turn the ball over. And costly situations that resulted in the other team scoring points. And that's where Drew... That's, that was a difference right there. And for me, all I have to say is don't bet on Drew Locke. Maybe <laughs> next year. Maybe the year after that. Oh, you would bet on him? You sound like you would bet on him again. No, nah, I was just I was just giving some hope, man. I would not. I don't think I could unless I saw a drastic improvement. I don't see a need to bet on Drew. Now, maybe if, you know, we'll talk off air or something, I'll be like, hey, 17 weeks, you think Drew starts? a few games and it's this is not because Gino goes down with an injury. This is because Gino isn't winning games or he's turned the ball over. Is that a possibility? Maybe we go down that road. But for right now, I ain't got I got nothing for you. I was wrong. I'm glad I only put a hundred dollars down. I could have went more and I definitely have spent a lot of money on gambling, but you know, a hundred dollars is cool. It sucks that I lost it because would have been nice to have a hundred dollars, but <laughs> Drew Locke did not uh, he did not perform well Friday night against the Cowboys, and we'll get into the game. But he just it didn't it didn't go his way. Yeah, no, I'm glad I, I'm glad I won as well. Uh, <laughs> as, as anyone know who's 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 moved, uh, is that where you say that? Yeah, anyone yeah. who has move uh, knows that moving just has just random expenses to it. Like it's insane. Like they're moving into a new apartment, the security deposit at the new place is. A thousand dollars. What? <laughs> Never seen a security deposit that high. There was a three hundred dollar administrative fee just to apply, non-refundable. I was like, when did they start doing that? Anyway, sorry, I don't know. This is not the uh, Mike is moving podcast, but still, that's that that hundred dollars would have just stung um, a little bit. So, I want to get into why Gino won the job, and I think the way that the quarterback battle has been framed. And maybe that's maybe that's on our part. Maybe that's just on Pete Carroll's part. I feel like, and we talked about I talked about this on a pod before, that the competition was never fair. 
nor did I necessarily care that it was. But I feel like we had to acknowledge that it was never fair. Pete wanted Gino to win the job before Gino even re-signed with the damn team. I watched him look at us at the NFL owners meetings in March when Gino was still a free agent and say, hey, this is why I'm encouraging Gino to re-sign with us. He knows our stuff. I want him back. Right? That was while Drew and Jacob Eason were the only guys on the roster. Once you start campaigning for guys to come back so they can lead your quarterback competition, like that means you want them uh, to start. So I, I feel like we needed to keep that more in mind when Gino was getting all the first team reps uh, and everything. It was always Gino's job to lose. That's important. It's not that they just so, you know, like think of it like a hundred meter dash. Right. Both people start the uh, the little you know the starting line in the blocks in their stance or whatever. It's an even race. Both guys have to travel 100 yards to win the race. Right. This was not that. Again, I don't necessarily care that it wasn't that, but I feel like if you if you look at it that way, it makes more sense of how we got to this point. Like Gino was starting, what would you say, like thirty yards ahead in a hundred yard dash and twenty five yards, something like that. Either way, he had a head start. So basically, to win the race, all Gino had to do was not trip and fall, right? Whereas Gino, or whereas Drew had to be Usain Bolt and catch his ass, like that. If you frame it that way, and that's how it's always been framed in my head and watching those guys and talking to the quarterbacks and talking to people in the building and talking to Pete, I would like to think I kind of wrote it that way too or when we talked about it on the pod, but if not, that's okay. Could be doing it now. Think of it that way. Don't think of it as just both guys started at the same point and just had to race. That's not what it was. And think of it as – I text somebody this um, in one of the group chats, one of the 50 million group chats I'm in. uh, (laughs) feel like I've been way too many. It's like, it's not even, they, they hit the group chat. It was like, yo, congrats to Geno Smith for winning the job. I said, well, put it another way. Congrats to Geno Smith for not losing the job. Mm, that's big. You know, those are, those are not the same thing. One is much easier to do than the other. Like it's <laughs> hey, <laughs> you give me, you give me a 30 yard head start in a hundred meter race. As long as I don't trip and fall, <laughs> I should win. Right. That that's how that's, that's how that would go when you, you know, you have a head start. And so I think that part right there, Chris, I don't know if we talked about it enough or we talked about it enough, maybe by other media or maybe uh, fans, maybe even the coaching staff, but I don't think it was made clear enough that Drew had a really uphill battle, perhaps more than everyone, including yourself, put money on him, uh, mm-hmm. maybe thought about, you know, when this all got kicked off. I really was under the mindset that he would play better. And we saw flashes. You have the stats of how practice went between the two. You could argue that Drew had a better practice against the twos than Gino had against the ones. And then you could also make the argument that, okay, Drew even played okay against the ones. It was just some throws that were not great. And that was on both sides. But overall, you can make the argument that in practice, Drew didn't look that bad, whereas Gino might have struggled more. But then in the games where it matters... Drew was on scene struggling more. And that was the separation right there. It's okay to struggle in practice. They want to see how you do in games when it really matters, when you're going up against someone that you don't know. That's where I think the separation really happened in the games. Because to your point, Gino didn't fall. Gino didn't have a turnover. He played sound. He didn't have a turnover in any of the games, yeah. He didn't have any turnovers. That right there says one thing. He can take care of the football. And then you go to Drew, if I'm not mistaken, 
He had four turnovers, one fumble, and then three interceptions in two preseason games. That is very, very hard to say, I'm going to roll with this guy. It's very hard. Unless Drew was out there throwing for 350 yards <laughs> and was a gunslinger, okay. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the situation. And I shouldn't have bet on Drew. I, I now see that while he's a gunslinger, he also makes throws that you shouldn't make. For example, the first interception he threw, and it was intended for D. Eskridge, you got to throw away from the DB, especially in a stick concept like that, just a curl route, five, seven yards. If you're going to laser it in there, at least throw it to the outside shoulder away from the DB. And people are going to make the argument, D's got to come back to the ball. Sure, D is supposed to come back to the ball. But even then, if you throw it to the outside shoulder and he doesn't come back to the ball, the DB now has to go through D to make the play. And that could be a pass interference. D can make the play. You never know what could happen. It's probably just a PBU at worst. At worst, sense. yeah. At worst, it's broken up, and you can live for another down. Or if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that no, was, was third and nine. It was third and nine, so they would have punted. But so you have to punt. But, hey, that's better than a turnover. You're just moving. You're just kicking the ball away and hoping that your defense can get you back on the field. That's what you're hoping for. Not a turnover where momentum shifts, and now this team has a chance to go and score a touchdown. Those are things that you don't want to see. And that was ultimately the story for Drew Locke. Turnovers, not the best throw. The one throw that we will end up, I'll just bring it up now, is when I think it was Aaron Fuller was stumbling and he threw it low and it hit him. He has to make that catch. Aaron was stumbling. But outside of that, the other two interceptions, that's on Drew. You just can't make those throws. He almost threw four. He threw one on an out route. I forget who it was too, but the DB just jumped the hell out of it diving play and didn't make the catch. And I'm like, damn, this is not good. And I mean, to be honest, after the first interception, I, I knew it was kind of over. I didn't really have faith after that. I know he went down and scored the very next drive, but those Which are things good, that, he, that was, yeah, that was great. Was that was great to see that he bounced back and he was able to go down the field and score. Cause you want to see how people respond. You throw an interception. Okay. How do you respond now? Do you throw another one immediately or do you go down and score points? He went and scored points. So that was a plus, but Another interception, two interceptions to one touchdown doesn't really help. And then, yeah, it just wasn't a great day overall. I want to read some uh, quarterback stats here uh, just from the preseason. Uh, let's see. I'm scrolling here. I tried, I tried to make it so I can look at my look at you and the audience and still have my, my stats up. I, I'm still new to using <laughs> a Mac. Um, so in the preseason, Geno completed 23 of 39 passes. That's 16 incompletions. Look at me doing math on the show. I think I got. How many were dropped? Yeah, I have seven drops uh, with one where Noah Fant doesn't get his foot foot down. Not a drop, but uh, incompletion. Like the ball hits the guy's hands. That's half of his incompletions uh, hitting his guys where they should catch it. Right. So then you have, uh, he threw for 256 yards, which is just a little less than, than Drew. That's in 13 drives, about. 12 full drives because I'm not counting that his final drive against the Bears, which is just three uh, dump downs to DJ Dallas. Drew didn't throw for any touchdowns, nor did he throw any interceptions. Drew Luck, or excuse me, I think Gene, I think I said Drew. Excuse you me. Meant, Gino yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah, Gino didn't throw any touchdowns in the preseason, nor did he throw any interceptions. Drew Luck was 24 of 39, so about 15 incompletions. I had him with like one drop in a possible, like two, um, two ish. 
drops 273 yards, again, a little bit more than Geno, three touchdowns, three interceptions, and one lost fumble. So by my count, Drew Locke led 15 drives in the preseason, five against the Steelers and then 10 against the uh, Cowboys. Cowboys. He had four touchdowns on those series. This is just what the drive ended as. Four touchdowns, three interceptions, one fumble, three field goals, and four punts. That's just kind of all over the place. No consistency. Yeah. yeah, it's it's volatile. That's the word I've been using. It's one of my favorite vocab words right now is volatile. And that's just hard for a coach like Pete Carroll to accept. Right? It, he would like to know on a consistent basis that you're going to go out there, protect the football, and get the ball to the playmakers and not give the ball to the other team. Right? Listen to this quote. Uh, from from Pete Carroll after the game, um, he said, "This was a this was a great one." He got asked about um, how big protecting the football is, right? He kind of got baited into giving like a, an answer that's kind of very pro Geno. But anyway, he says it's a huge statement taking care of the football. We've been one of the best teams in the NFL over the last bunch of years taking care of the football and owning it. It's really hard to get it away from us with the fumbles and stuff like that. Our guys are fantastic at it. Decision making goes along with that. Treasuring that football. It's so hard to win when you turn it over. We've lived for a long time with a big conscience about that, and we'll keep it going. End quote. There's your ball game, folks. Yeah. Like, Gino is the higher floor, right? Like, Gino at his, like, worst is, like, is bad, you know, but it's not, like, the end of the world. He's probably not going to be the reason you get blown out, at least not at this stage of his career. With the Jets, perhaps. This stage of his career, like in year 10, and eh, probably not. Drew represents some upside. Like there was some throws, and some of the best throws in the preseason were from Drew. Like that ball to Penny Hart today, uh, or Friday night, smooth. Kobe Parkinson, uh, like little seam ball uh, against the Steelers uh, that got popped out. Great ball. Money ball. Um, and then some of, the, some of the worst throws in the preseason <laughs> were from Drew. Like that second interception you talked about today, that ball hitting the Sean Wright in the hands. You know what team the Sean Wright plays for? Dallas. That's a problem, you know. And yeah. there was there was some air mails too. Um, I, the worst throws I should say between Geno and Drew. If you count Jacob Eason, Jacob Jacob throws some. Jacob just has, doesn't have any touch. He's just lasers, 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 lasers at all times. That boy's got a cannon just with no control over, over the cannon. Anyway, between the two, Drew probably had some of the best passes and some of the worst passes. Drew, or Gino, was just, he just had passes. <laughs> hit his eyes in the hand, and either they caught it or they didn't. He had one really bad miss to Bull Melton against the Bears, and then Drew had some. I mean, Drew had one that almost got intercepted against the Steelers. Uh, it was, I think, a fade ball to Aaron Fuller uh, in the end zone before they ended up throwing a touchdown to Derek Young. So, like, that, that's the issue. Drew might have that higher ceiling. I actually wouldn't even say might. Drew probably has a higher ceiling. Like, if you just ask the two dudes to just, hey, man, I'm going to hand you both a football. One of you, you guys go do as dope a shit as you can. Drew will probably come out and do some doper shit. Now, if you go ask those guys, hey, man, I'm about to hand each you guys a football. Don't go out there and screw it up. Gino, at this point in his career, is better at executing that, whereas Drew, he's Probably gonna mess it up. Like he had some, even though all the turnovers weren't because of him. I think he had what four. 
four turnovers and 15 drives is a lot. But let's say like two of those were just like squarely on him. Let's say the Aaron Fuller drop is on Aaron. And then the, the one at DS Gridge, it's like an interception and a possible, maybe. The other two, though, he blows a protection assignment against the Steelers. They lose the game. Uh, what's the other? Oh, the other one, like I said, hits Nashawn right in the hands. The, the, the Cowboys end up going to score. Geno is probably not going to be the reason your team goes out and wins a game. He's, But he's also probably not going to be the reason the Seahawks go out there and lose the games. And I understand how that sounds after last year where he threw the interception against the Rams uh, and they did lose. However, tri- you know, Tyler Lockett fell. I'm not really tripping off like his decision-making there. Uh, the strip sack against the Steelers, inexcusable. I don't care if it's TJ Watt. Can't do that. Uh, against the Saints, they were just kind of screwed. Um, it was time to go win. And I don't think Geno had like a back-breaking play. He just didn't go win. And then against the Jags, he torched them. So, like, that was encouraging play for Pete Carroll. It was like, you know, we were in all of those games. We just need to go finish, you know. And he, he kind of put the onus on the guys around Geno. And you know what, Chris? He's going to – he this preseason – you can see him putting the onus on the guys around Geno again. Dog, couldn't no one catch for three games? Yeah, Derek Young, man, he's he struggled making some plays. He made plays in the second half, but, man, did he drop some early. Not good. You got to make those plays. Help your quarterback. Derek had a drop in every preseason game. That's like, not a good that. You you can't do that. I don't care what round you were drafted. You just can't. You, you, you can't do that. Bo Melton had multiple drops. I think Penny Hart even had a drop. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Fuller has had a couple hit his hands. And he doesn't hey, come Johnson had one today. I was like, damn, dude. Oh, actually, no, that was tipped. I forgot. Yeah, that the, was the Kate Johnson one is tough. It's one of those ones where it, it, it gets tipped like a millisecond before it hits yeah. you. Yeah, that make, that throws the whole trajectory um, off. Kate actually had a nice, nice toe tap um, as, as well in there. But, like, to, to, to get back to kind of Geno and Drew and their comparisons – that, that really is what it comes down to, Pete picking the floor, the higher floor. Um, like, Gino is, is like a is like an 8-8 eight eight type of guy. I don't think they'll go 8-8, eight eight, but you guys get what I mean when I say that. Whereas with Drew, it's like, hey, we, shoot, we might be able to win like 13 games in this, in this joint. It's like, oh, we also might lose 13 games. <laughs> and when you're dealing with an offense, you know who Drew, Drew Locke would be a fit for? More of a fit for, I would, I should say, like turning it over is bad for all coaches. But you know who would be more of a fit for is like Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? Like a coach like that, who he's more like, hey man, just chuck it. One of our guys is down there. You know, let's hope he jumps over the other guy. You know, whereas Pete's like, mm, don't chuck it because when the ball's in the air, it could go to the other guy. And with these defensive-minded head coaches, that risk-averse attitude. Um, they want their quarterback to reflect that. It kind of goes into why Pete and Russ didn't really rock. You know, Russ wanted to cook more, and cooking comes with risks. And Pete was like, eh, you might burn the house down. You might with all this cooking you're doing. Yeah. You know, whereas Pete's just like, bro, if you, if you just make cereal, you know what I'm saying? There's no we're going to eat. It's not going to be gourmet, but the house won't burn. I guarantee the house won't, won't burn down if you just make cereal, right? Uh so I think as much as like I, – because I'm, I'm explaining it this way because I feel like – and Chris, you probably have caught this too. Like a lot of people just wanted Drew to start. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. So yeah, people, I just feel, wanted to see something refreshing and new. Everyone has seen Gino. He has started in this league before, but his role now has been a backup. He was a backup to rest for quite a bit sometime. He was a backup his previous time. I think he was with the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. He was a backup. Yeah, Giants so, and Chargers, yeah. He was a backup. So he has built his career around being the backup. We saw... You were able to see what he was with the starter, and it didn't pan out. And in the three-game sample with the Seahawks, one and two, not the worst thing, but it wasn't the best thing either. And to your point, sure, it was one-game possession, and Pete was already leading with that. That's why he wanted to bring him back. And then you look at someone like Drew Locke, where there's still upside. He's young. He's a, he can throw the ball far. There's some upside. There's talent. And that's what I think people were just like, we want to see Drew. We get We know what Geno is. And People are going to make that same argument. As the season progresses, we know what Gino is. But the thing is, in the games, he's not going to have those costly turnovers that we saw with Drew. And we saw it in preseason. So if he's doing this against the twos, what is going to happen against the Broncos? What is going to happen in week two against the Niners, whose defense is pretty good? With Those are things you got to think about. And I, I think Pete really, really, really believes that Putting Gino out there gives him the best possibility. And that's why you put $100 on him because you realize he's not going to turn the ball over. And he didn't turn the ball over in preseason. I mean, of course, he didn't light it up. He, didn't, he wasn't slinging the ball everywhere. He was taking what the defense was giving him. He got sacked a few times, but you know what he didn't do? Turn the football over. And that's that's the, the difference right there. Uh, also, I think, and this makes sense, right? Everyone was kind of, not everyone, but. A lot of people looked at this as fans, right? Even even when I tweeted this a little bit, people were like, "Mike, I'll take the I'll take him being volatile, you know, like it's more fun." You know, I was like I didn't I didn't respond to many people cuz I got it a bunch, but I respond here. That's easy to say when your job's not on the line. That volatile hmm. that be, the guy being volatile doesn't uh, impact your uh chances of going to the unemployment line. Right? Like what what did you just say, Chris? We know what Gino is. Well, if you're a coach, you want to know what you're going to get on Sundays. Yeah, right? That consistency, Matt, not just for the head coach, that's everybody. 
You know, everybody wants to know. They want to know that if we practice on Wednesday, we practice on Thursday and practice on Friday and play on Sunday, what happens on Sunday will look like what we did Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. At least it's likely to. You know, and I think that knowing what someone is from a coach's standpoint matters a hell of a lot more to the fans. It may just be bored as hell by watching, you know, um, a pro, uh, an established product that they just feel to be boring or whatever. You know, because some people probably today watching the, the Cowboys game was like, yo, that was fun. You never know what each throw is going to be. It could yeah. be a touchdown for us. It could be a touchdown for them. It could be a big play for us. It could be a big play for them. Who knows? That's the fun of it. And as a consumer, I can feel you. You know what I'm saying? Like just watching the game, like, oh, this is great. You know, it's like watching Jameis. I love 2019 Jameis. I check the box score every Sunday to see how many touchdowns and interceptions Jameis would throw. Right? What did he do that year? He had like 30. 30, 30. He had 30 touchdowns. I think he threw more than 30. I think it was like 33 touchdowns to like. 30 interceptions or something like that. No, it was 30-30. I might I know it was 30 touchdowns for sure and 30 interceptions. He might have been 33 he, for sure, but he yeah, hit the 30-30 club. Hit the 30-30. I just don't think he stayed on the nose. I think quiet is kept. I think Jameis that year threw more touchdowns than Russ, um, who threw 31. Here, I'm gonna check it while while we're talking right now. Uh let's see. Jameis Winston 33 oh. and 30, yeah. Yeah, it was 33. Okay. Insane. That's, that's, what, that's what I figured. Like that season was fun for me. I loved watching Jameis play that year. But you know what I also wasn't that year? A Bucks fan. You know, because if I was a Bucks fan, that would have stunk <laughs> to have Man. a guy. He, and Jameis also that year had like seven pick sixes or something like that. Like, Insane. Like six, I think he broke the single season record for pick sixes in a season, which is just nuts. He had a couple like game ending pick sixes too. I think his last <laughs> throw of the year. Uh, was a pick six for them to finish like right at eight and eight. As a coach, that will drive you freaking nuts. And most coaches, it probably even drove Bruce Arian nuts, you know. But then Tom Brady calls you like, "All right, we got to go with Brady." But like that, that is fun for the consumer. You know, shout out to my uh, beat partner, my former beat partner Aaron Fentress, uh, right for the Argonian. He worked with me that year. We'd be we'd be in the Seahawks press box streaming the Bucks game. You know why? We were like, "When is Jameis gonna throw a pick?" And then when is Jameis going to throw a touchdown? You know, like Drew, guys like Drew Locke, guys like Jameis, they're like the Marcus Peters or Trevon, or Trevon Diggs of quarterbacks. You know, I like watching Marcus Peters because you never know when he's going to get a pick six and you never know when he's going to give up a 67-yard bomb. Trevon Diggs is the same way. He gave up, what, 1,000 yards in coverage last year for the Cowboys and had like 11 interceptions. <laughs> you know, okay. it, it, it's boom or bust and – coaches tend not to lean into that they would rather a finished product um unless there's like a rookie you know like if if Mariota, for instance in atlanta was boom was like pretty consistently solid but desmond ritter was like a little bit more boomer bust they might just roll with desmond he's the younger guy he's rookie cheaper or whatever he's actually probably not that much cheaper but actually he is but you guys get my point there um it's just kind of easier for you look at it i feel like everyone should just like take a step back and just look at it from a coach view and then you see it. Now, to be very clear, uh, and Chris, you can weigh in this as well. I don't think it really matters in terms of the grand scheme of the season. I don't think Geno Smith or Drew Locke is the guy in 2023. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I don't think in terms of like locker room command, it really mattered. I think everyone kind of 
got used to spouting the company line of, hey, I like both guys. They got good arm strength. They both had a good camp, yada, yada, yada. Like, Will Disley, every time you ask him, he's like, hey, look, man, that's above my pay grade. I'm going to run block for whoever, and I'm going to go out and catch passes from whoever throws him. You know, like that's the gist of, of Will, Uncle Will's sentiment there. And everyone kind of says something similar. Everyone makes sure not to lean towards one guy or the other, you know. And some of that is probably the company line. And some of that is probably just because the guys are pretty much uh, the same. But I think it's a mindset thing. One guy's mindset aligns a little better with the coaches and he can he can execute it. You know, let me read you this quote. I'm all about reading stuff today, as you guys can tell. Um this is from Geno Smith after the game, also asked about turnovers. He said, that's the number one way to lose games in the NFL, not protecting the football. Earlier in my career, I had some issues with that, and I learned very quickly the quarterback's main job is to protect the football as well as scoring points and being dynamic. I really think that when I came here to Seattle, I turned a corner in terms of protection of the football. Coach preaches it every day. It's the motto of the team, the organization, all about the ball. When I'm out there, I'm focusing on doing the right things, making the right reads, obviously staying aggressive, but being smart. Boy, that sounds like Pete Carroll wrote that. That does. That sounds like it was straight, straight from Pete Carroll. The quarterback's main job is to protect the football as well as scoring points and being dynamic. Um, and you can kind of see where some of the stuff just didn't align with Russ. Russ is like, yeah, protect the football, but my main job is to be that dude, right? At least as he advanced in his career. And it's, it's interesting that Gino, one reason why I like that quote is because he does mention that earlier in his career, he did not have that. I mean, I still think, let me double check. I still think Gino has more career interceptions than he does. He does. He yeah. does. Like he turnovers were a big problem for him. And you can tell that he made the conscious choice when he was coming here. Like, Hey, if nothing else, I'm just going to not turn it over and I'll be fine. Uh, yeah, Gino has 37 regular season interceptions and 34 touchdowns. So he still has more career interceptions than touchdowns. A lot of that is just stinking it up uh, when he was a, a rookie and a second-year guy with the Jets. But you can tell he had that shift. And when I heard Gino speak today, he sounded like a guy in year 10, whereas Drew doesn't sound like a kid necessarily. But like you mentioned earlier, he's a younger guy. You know, he's younger than both of us. You know, we're both 30. Drew's younger than us. Uh, and I bet you that – if Drew gets another chance, like if he goes to another team, he's going to start to sound like Gino. And I bet you he's going to just go out there and be like, you know what I got to do? I must just not throw picks. That's it. He's going to go out there and just try to not throw picks as opposed to going out there and like Gino said, being aggressive but being smart. He's just going to go out there and just try to not throw picks. It's almost like being a rookie. A lot of rookies, you talk to them, especially on defense, they, they, uh, they'll tell you, man, I'm my first year. I was just going out there and trying to not mess up, you know, not miss tackles, not blow assignments, not drop passes. And then uh, the, the, it's the conservative attitude with quarterbacks. It can, depending on how it goes, you can kind of work in reverse. And as you get older, you're trying to just not, not screw up. Especially if you keep losing quarterback battles, you know, Drew's lost two already in, in four years in the league. That's pretty tough. Uh, but I think those quotes today were, were, uh, were really important. Like as much as we were talking about, cause uh, what you know? Uh, what uh, what plays were on Drew today, and what plays were on Gino? You know, Drew said it. He's like, "There's three throws I want back." You know, he said, "I got to learn from the bad, learn from the bad plays, and protect the football." There you go. Like that. That's it. That's why 
as we've talked about, feels like ad nauseum now. Hmm? Russ is going to – Russ – I, I will say this, though, Chris. I feel like we're getting robbed of Russ versus Drew week one. That would have been kind of fun. The, the drop there, two guys against their former teams week one on Monday Night Football, That that's kind of fun. I guess the thing is, how long does Drew stay out there? Because he's, he's probably going to throw a pick or two against the Broncos. Russ might throw a pick or two against the Seahawks. Who knows? Who knows? But you know what we do know? That'd we got fun. Twitter questions, baby. Twitter questions. We got quite That's a cool. few. We got quite a few. You ready, Mike? I mean, there was only like eight last time I checked. Did we get a bunch more? It's like 18 now, so 10 more. Not too bad for a late night one. Yeah, no, it's, it's 11 o'clock. All right, we'll start things off with the homie Sam at Sammy C521. What's better, low ceiling, high floor, Gino? High ceiling, low floor, Drew. Also, there's four plus potential starters from this one draft. How much credit do Pete and John get? Wait, say the back part of that again? Also, there's four plus potential starters from this one draft. So from this year's draft, there's four plus potential starters. How much credit do Gino, or excuse me, do John and Pete get? For I don't understand. I don't understand the back half of that. From this last draft class, there's there's mm-hmm. four starters. Potential, yeah. So cool. you have Cross, Abe Lucas. Oh, I thought we were still talking quarterback. Sorry. Oh, no, oh. yeah. Sorry, I guess I didn't make that clear. But yeah, he's talking about four plus potential starters from this one draft. How much? How much credit do Pete and John get? Um. Okay, what was the, the first part was what's the better? So the, the first part floor? was low ceiling, high floor equals Geno, high ceiling, low floor equals Drew. What is better? You know, that's a good question. And I kind of talked about that a little. It depends on where your franchise is. And Pete Carroll is still trying to convince these guys that they're not rebuilding, right? They're trying to go out there and, and, and win. And you want to try to go out there and not get embarrassed, and not have to overcome a bunch of turnovers and stuff like that. Like, the defense today actually did a really good job, I thought, and Pete Carroll kind of shouted them out. They turned the ball over five times and lost by one. Like, that's, that's – I mean, they were playing Dallas scrubs, but, I mean, a bunch of guys who were playing for the Seahawks are not going to play in the NFL ever again probably after this, so it was relatively even. Um, you just don't want to put yourself in that position. Um, and I think it really depends on where your uh, where your team is. It also depends on how high that ceiling actually is. I don't actually think Drew's is that high. I think the term arm talent is getting overused here uh, a little bit. Like accuracy is part of arm talent for me when I hear that. Like I think being able to throw off platform and being able to like sidearm and throw off your back foot and all that like that stuff is cool if it gets to the receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really care if you can throw a no look if it goes to the defense. So, like, I think arm talent in that regard is being is is a word you is a phrase. Sorry, that you often hear with Drew, which is true, but like accuracy should be included in that. You know, like the Super Bowl that Mahomes lost, that was arm talent. That boy was fully horizontal from the ground and threw its sidearm and hit his receiver smooth in the face in the end zone from like 30 yards out. That is arm talent. Being able to just throw off your back foot really hard is not arm talent. Like getting the ball to your intended target is arm talent. So I think that uh, yeah, I think that when you, if your arm talent means that you also might throw a bunch of interceptions, that's that, uh, yeah, no, 
that that your ceiling is not that high to me. So as much as we just talked about the floor ceiling discussion, I don't think Drew's ceiling is actually super duper high um, because the number of outstanding throws are not there. Like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, even Kyler Murray, like those guys, they got arm talent, man. They make they they make a lot of throws in a row that are like, damn. I see why someone took you in the first round, or I see why you won the Heisman. You know, like they they do that enough. And the 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 what the hell was that throws are few and far between. If you have just as many dope ass throws as you do dumbass throws, that's not high ceiling to me. Um, so I maybe I just interpret that phrase a little differently. But that is a good question though. Um, to the point about the four starters in the draft class, who are we calling starters here? So you're looking at Abe Lucas potentially right tackle, but uh, I think Jake probably has that. No, no, no. Abe, no Abe's one. Abe, Abe and Cross. Who else? Okay. Um, Kobe. I don't know if Kobe starts. Don't and know. Then Kobe. probably not Tariq. See, I don't know if Tariq starts either. Is it Sidney Jones? Is it Artie Burns? That's a tough one too. I guess that's a potential starter. Boy, Mafe is not starting. And then who else we got? Oh, I guess. Kenneth Walker, yeah, he's, he's not like the starter either. He's so not like, even healthy. Yeah, it's like two and a possible, um, which is which is decent from a draft class. We'll see how they perform. Um, I think Kobe could start down the line. I think there is a lot of good potential down the line. I think I don't really care how many of those guys are starting rookie year other than Cross. Cross had to start. Um, but everyone else, I feel like they have like five potential starters for next year, which is – that is promising. They get some credit for that. Um, they should. What will be the top story now that the QB competition has been won? This is from Chris L at Rosebug underscore twenty two. The top the top storyline is still the the quarterbacks, and that that does not change. Um, I was put it this way. Um, I was at a uh, a conference. It was all of the NFL writers at the Athletic. I want to say this was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Um, and this was our, I, th- I think it was 2018. It was our first time. No, it was 2019. It was, uh, it was our first time as a staff getting together. We got together at the combine. It was all the big bosses. It was all the writers, most of the editors there. And we had to we sat in a bunch of meetings. And one of the meetings was somebody from like the analytics team. I forget who the guy was, but he showed like a slideshow breaking down a bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the things that was most notable was what stories performed the best. For the NFL staff, it was broken down by what the stories are about. I think there were some numbers in there about story length and what days stories published and all that other stuff. Um, but it was by far the little graph that they had up. I think it was actually a table or chart, whatever. I don't know. Was, oh, a bar graph. It was a bar graph. The bar graph had at the top and it went down which stories, uh, stories about which people performed the best. Head coach and quarterback stories blew everything else out of the water and it was not close didn't matter the market didn't matter the team didn't matter the writer didn't matter what day it published none of that didn't matter the length if you write about your quarterback and if you write about your head coach i think i think gm might be in there too um but like those just hit even more than writing about a superstar so like even if you take it and it's not just writing it's radio it's tv it's all of that um if you take this team, for example, if I was to just spend like a huge deep dive, big expose magazine style story on Geno Smith, that is about to pop 
It'll pop more than a thing probably on Jamal Adams. It probably will or DK because that's how much quarterbacks move the needle uh, in this industry. That's why the NFL is making the rules uh, such that they can market the quarterbacks easier and score more points and yada, yada, yada. So uh, the face of the game will always be a quarterback from this point on. There won't be no more running backs, no other stuff like that. So the, it's, the top storylines will continue to be the quarterback. It's a quarterback-driven league. Everybody will tell you that. And your defense is all about making the quarterback uncomfortable. Your offense is all about making your quarterback comfortable. Coaches who win a lot in this league typically have quarterbacks. Look at these. Look at the coaches who was doing it for a while. Andy Reid, Pete Carroll had a same quarterback for ten years. What Sean Payton had the same one for like fifteen. Uh, Mike Tomlin's been able to get it done with some substitutes, but largely had Big Ben. Uh, you know that whole time. Uh, who else? My oh, obviously Belichick and Brady, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Like quarterbacks you have a quarterback you will stay employed for a long time so that's that's a uh, that's not going to change uh even though we know who the starter is sticking with the quarterback this one is from the homie adam nathan at adam nathan yo adam what up what up congrats on the uh, on the baby uh, happy for you is it crazy to think that no matter how bad gino is pete will never give the ball to lock out of fear of what he might do with it no 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 i don't, I don't think so let me read you another quote uh, I'm all about reading quotes today. This is amazing. Um, this quote is from G. Uh, this quote is from Pete Carroll, and it is about Drew Locke. He, uh, Pete was asked, um, "Did you learn that like Drew can be a playmaker or something like that?" And he was like, "Oh, he can play. I don't have any question that he can play. I really don't. He's got all the athleticism. He's got arm strength. He's got arm talent. He's got creativity about him. He's going to be a fantastic football player soon." just didn't quite have enough time to beat out a guy who knew exactly what he was doing and who just stayed at it and just really just won the job because of his consistency and really his performance and quote there like Drew, Pete thinks Drew can play like that. I don't think he's blowing. smoke. I don't think Pete has been blowing smoke this whole time. He's been telling us that Gino's leading. He gave the job to Gino. There you go. Uh, and he talked a lot about turnovers the day he made the decision and consistency. Um, so yeah, no, Drew, he, he thinks Drew can play, and he thinks Drew can protect the ball. He just wants to see it on a more consistent basis, which makes sense. Like Again, Drew did not turn the ball over every day in practice. I think Drew had – let's see. I heard he had an interception while we were in Vegas. I think Michael Jack. I heard Michael Jackson picked him off. Uh, he threw one to Tariq Woolen. I uh, uh, saw that in practice. I don't even know if he had another one. That might have. He might have just thrown two. And all the camp, maybe three if I'm if I'm missing one. But for the most part, Drew kept the ball out of harm's way in practice. Like Pete's seen it. So he knows he can ball. And I think it'll take a lot for Drew to play while Gino was still healthy. Like they would have to get shellacked in some game. I'm talking like what they used to do to teams when they were dropping 50. Remember that run they dropped like 50 in like three straight games, something like yeah. that in 2012, 13, or whatever. They would need to be on the wrong end of that. And it's like, yo. I gotta change guys. But I don't. I don't think. I don't think Pete's afraid of what Drew can do. Um, he knows Drew can be. He knows Drew can make that throw. He made it to Penny Hart. Yep. He does. He just like the first thing. Oh, Michael Bennett did his sideline interview with Pete. Michael Bennett, who's great on TV, by the way. Um, when Michael Bennett did his sideline interview in the third quarter, he said, "What have you thought about Drew's play?" The first thing Pete said was, uh, "He had those two turnovers." 
And the next thing Pete said, though, was we just got to take those out. Like he wants, he wants to believe that Drew can protect the ball. So his want to believe that is enough that he'll keep Drew on the roster and encourage him to keep, you know, staying ready just in case. From one Jimmy to another, this is at Jimmy Lee, Jimmy underscore Lee one. Is Jimmy G completely out of the question if he's cut? No, I don't think so. I think I think you got to consider it if he's cut. Um, the problem is he has no offense, so it would take him a while. And most people will tell you in the league that everyone's running versions of the same concepts. They just call them something different, or this thing has a different name, or this is this is numbers based, or this is words based in terms of the play call. So a lot of it is the same, but you still got to know all that stuff, <laughs> you know. And where that in particular is really important is a few things for the quarterbacks. You need to know the protections. So you need to be able to relay to your center and all of your linemen, hey, shift this way, do this, account for this blitz. Like all of that, you have to know all of that language on the fly. You can't just keep calling timeouts, whatever to do. So that language is important. You have to know all those plays. You have to be able to get this. You have to get the team in the right run plays. So you have to know all of those. So you have to be able to change the plays at the line of scrimmage. You have to know everything that they want to do in the red zone. You have to know everything for two-minute situations, and you need to know everything for your third down calls. That's a lot of stuff to just know, you know, really. That's why training camp is so important to do those installs and everything. So while Jimmy G is probably more talented than, than Gino Andrew and they would Seattle would probably give him a call and see if his shoulder's okay in the event that he's cut, which I believe has to happen here before the first of September. I believe, I think that's one of the unofficial deadlines. I got to go catch up on our Niners coverage. I haven't been reading it lately, but no, I don't think it's out of the question. It's out of the question that he comes in and like saves the day on the 2022 season, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, but I don't think it's, it's out of the question he ends up in a Seahawks uniform. This one's from Jimmy as well. If Miles Adams and Michael Jackson make the team, then who would be a surprise cut? Uh, I don't think there needs to be a surprise cut for Michael Jackson to make the team. So uh, I have a 53-man roster projection. Uh, my editor just hit me about when it's due. I have to check. Um I think he said he wants it on Sunday, I think. So I'll sit down and do it. But in my head, I have six corners making the team. Uh, I have Kobe and Tariq, two rookies. Sidney Jones, Artie Burns, that's the two vets. And then I have um, Justin Coleman starting at nickel. And then that sixth spot um, pretty much is given to Michael Jackson because Trey Brown is probably going to start the year uh, on the pup physically list. unable to perform list, the pup list. Um, so that will keep him out for four weeks. So as long as while Trey Brown's out, you need another corner and Michael Jackson can play on the left and the right. So, uh, I don't think anybody needs to be a surprise cut to get him on the roster. Miles Adams, on the other hand, that's different. Cause I only have room for six defensive tackles on my 53 man roster projection. I got big Al and Brian Monet. There's your two noses right there. Puna Ford and Shelby Harris. All right, well, there's four. I'm going to throw Quentin Jefferson in there. You got to keep Q Jeff. Uh, I don't know why they had him playing against the Bears, though. My man was taking on double teams for basically for free uh, <laughs> against the Bears. Q ain't no you know, take on a double team type of dude, man. He's a strong dude with preseason double teams. Get me out of here. Anyway, there's your fifth defensive tackle right there. Only got room for one more spot. Either it goes to LJ Collier or it goes to Miles Adams. I think it's going to Miles Adams. I feel like the coaching staff has said in all the nicest ways possible, 
that there's just no room for LJ as long as Miles is on the squad. So, but I don't feel like that's a surprise cut either. I feel like what was LJ inactive, what, seven times last year or something, like a healthy scratch? They made LJ a healthy scratch on his birthday. Mm. That was brutal. That was the, the I want to say the Colts game, the week one last year. So they made LJ uh, inactive, flew him to Indianapolis, and had made him inactive on his birthday. That is foul. So, uh, but it's also the reality of the business. They don't really care. It's his birthday. But I say that to say he's already kind of fallen out uh, of favor. You know, if you go back and listen to Clint Hurt's interview on, I want to say Wednesday, excuse me, I, I think someone asked about LJ and he just said, he said something to the effect of, I tell, I tell these guys, you can't make the club if you're in the tub, you know, in, in terms of just the cold tub, staying healthy. Um, and then I followed that up with a question about Miles and Clint talked about Miles like he was his firstborn son. So mm. I think the decision has probably already been made. LJ did not play against the Cowboys. I think he traveled to the game, which didn't play. So Miles played well in all three preseason games so well that he got a podium interview for the first time on Friday night. LJ didn't play in any of the preseason games and is injured. So I think there's your cut there to make room for Miles. How much of a new scheme is Pete hiding? Are they really adding that much blitzing and 3-4 coverage to the defense without at least testing it out in the preseason? Yeah, 100%. And that's not a Pete thing. Most teams are pretty vanilla. You won't see a lot of exotic blitzes. Um, you won't see a lot of like post-snap rotations by your safeties or your coverages. And No, no, no. There's just no, there's no advantage to trotting that out there especially while you're trying out backups like there's a specific package um that they that they have that features like three safeties it's like jamal josh jones and quandre all on the field together um, and in that package they're still in like their three four but they pull cody barton off you none of you guys have seen that i've seen it a bunch um i've written about it a little bit but i haven't talked about it much uh but yeah there's no reason to test that out in a game why? So Denver can see it and game plan for it. When you're playing a veteran quarterback like Russ, your first game, and you don't want to show none of that. So, yeah, it's been pretty vanilla. Most teams are like that. I talked to a defensive player after the Bears game. I was like, what do you think of the defense? He's like, man, we ain't even showing nothing. You know, we're just running our basic basic stuff. He's like, well, he was like, he was like, you'll see in the regular season it's going to look way different. And that's on purpose, you know. So, yeah. A lot of the stuff that you uh, we've written about and that you've heard Pete or Clint talk about, they're not showing it. It's all in in, in practice. They're they're prepping it. They're repping it. Um, and Pete said a few times, more times than I can remember him saying in the preseason, perhaps trying to excuse his team's poor behavior or their poor play. He keeps mentioning the guys that aren't playing. He's done it every game now. He's like, yeah, I got a lot of guys, you know, who are going to help us this year who, are, who ain't playing, you know, because his team keeps losing. Uh, they keep losing because their guys aren't out there. There's a lot of high-priced dudes on the bench. You know, what's what is uh DK 24 million a year? Jamal 17.5, Quandre 13 mil, and Tyler like 17 mil. There's a lot of expensive dudes on the on the on the pine, not to mention Rashad and Kenneth Walker um on the bench too. So uh I think it's gonna and Jordan Brooks, who didn't play in the preseason. So yeah, the defense is gonna look way, way different. You can trust me on that. Shout out to that was from at orbit underscore axis. The next one about running backs. How many running backs do the Seahawks keep? Does Darwin make the 53? 
And is he one of your favorite bubble guys? This is from at Hawksfan206 and Brad. Uh, Let's see. How many running backs do they keep? That was tough. Usually they keep five, but I might because they drafted two receivers, I think I freaked the receiver numbers. I might have had seven receivers making it, and I, I double-checked. They have done that before. Um, I think they did that the year that they drafted DK, which would make sense because that year they drafted three receivers. Um, kind of wanted to keep them all uh, on the roster. I can't remember if John Arsua made it initially. But anyway, so I, I think they're only going to keep four running backs if everyone's healthy. So if Kenneth Walker is fine, if Rashad Penny is fine, Rashad has COVID, hopefully Rashad gets better, COVID sucks to have. Um, if Rashad, Kenneth, DJ, and Travis are all fine, I think you can just get by with those four, especially because your receivers play special teams. So you don't necessarily need like a Darwin Thompson or a Josh Johnson to be out there, you know, being the main guys on punt coverage or whatever, because you can have a Bo Melton, a Derek Young, um, Penny Hart, if he makes it, you know, you can have those guys uh, play, play special teams. So I think that is what ends up happening there. It's tricky because I don't know what to do, Chris, with Penny Hart. I feel like he just keeps making plays, man. And I mean, if they keep Tyler, DK, Marquise Goodwin, Pete basically said he's making the team. D. Eskridge has to make it. There's four right there. You keep your two draft picks, six. Do you keep Penny Hart? Or do you keep Freddie Swain? What, do you, what would you do? Here's your surprise cut, honestly. Is it Freddie? He's shown too much to cut him. Who has? Uh, P- Penny or Freddie? Freddie. I'm just talking last year. I don't really care for preseason. He's not out there. I mean, he, I think he's a lock. How do you cut a guy that's always open for Russ? I mean, you could. You don't Penny got Russ. That is true. There's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a different team for sure, especially when it comes to that receiving core because Russ was making a lot of amazing throws and guys were just making the play. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be consistent again. The, the the thing with Freddie that that um kind of concerns me is I don't really see. I want some of these other guys who aren't Tyler and DK to be able to consistently win one on one matchups, and not to say that like Penny Hart's like this amazing man coverage beater. I just feel like Penny just does so much. I mean, they handed the ball off to Penny today. You know, it's just Penny Hart that is like handed it off to him. He he covers kicks. He's on the special teams like blocking units. He can go make plays. I mean, he's a guy you can hand the ball to um, on jet sweeps or just a direct handoff. The direct handoff thing goes super well. But, like, I, I, I man, that right there is a, is a tough – because it's also not like they're super invested in Freddie. What was he, like a sixth-round pick? Yeah. Um, that is somebody you could you could part with if you, if you so choose. And uh, it's not like Freddie lit it up in the regular season – or, excuse me, in the preseason. I mean, he had, what, a drop – Drop, yeah. Today, he had a day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, or Friday, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, is that that might be the surprise drop? We can move on to the next question, but the more I think I'm gonna have to sit there and think about that. That might be the tough call I make on my 53 is maybe having Penny over Freddie. Okay, you gave a surprise offensive cut. What about defense? And this is from in Lerma three. Uh, I don't think there'd be a surprise defensive cut. I don't think Marquise Blair gets cut, especially not while Ryan Neal is hurt. I think if Ryan Neal was healthy and Josh Jones was healthy, uh, which he is, and then you have Quandre and Jamal, those are your four safeties right there. I think you can get by with that. Um, I don't think you can only have three safeties, assuming like Ryan Neal maybe starts the season on injured reserve, which would knock him out for four games. So I think everything on defense will be uh, 
pretty much as is. I think the only thing on defense that probably Seattle needs to do is probably trade for some backup linebackers because I just don't have a ton of faith in the guys that they have behind Cody and Jordan Brooks. I just think that between Nick Ballor, actually Nick Nick's fine. Um, but like after that, uh, Lakeem Williams, DeBlanco, the broadcast loved DeBlanco today, boy. You would think Michael Robinson and Michael Bennett were at uh, DeBlanco's bar mitzvah. Like they was loving that man. I don't even know if he's Jewish, but just say it just cause, uh, yeah, but him, Tanner Muse, I'm not really loving that unit. I think they're going to need to look elsewhere there. I mean, I even asked Pete Carroll about the inside linebackers on Thursday and he was like, yeah, we're, we're we're pretty new there. We need some guys to start learning some stuff. And I was like, oh, boy, that's Pete speak for these guys are not cutting. So, um, yeah, I think if anything, if there's going to be a trade or like some waiver claims, it's going to be a linebacker, I think. Two more. This one's from Brian Malone at DPT Malone. Do you see anyone from the game outside of Miles that jumped off the page to earn themselves a roster spot from tonight? Uh, Friday, I- excuse me. I do think DeBlanco made a good case. I will say that. I think I did. I do think he made a good case. Um, I think Joey Blunt kind of hurt himself. James uh, Houston, 32, can't remember his first name. Jameson, I think is his first name. Yeah. I don't think he helped himself. I think Darwin Thompson helped himself a little bit. But no, I don't, I don't think outside of my, I think Michael Jackson was already kind of a lock. So I don't think he could have helped himself much. You know, you know who helped himself, and it's not necessarily to make the team, but I really think that DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are just much better runners now. Like they seem to just—it's almost like when Rashad Penny told us last year, he was kind of—he said it like kind of half-heartedly, but I, I think he meant it. He was like, "Yeah, sometimes I just I just be forgetting that I'm 236 pounds," you know, Damn. like. And I don't know how you forget that, but I get what he was saying. And with Travis, I don't know if anybody, you guys have all seen pictures of Travis Homer. That boy is built. Yeah. Is built. And then DJ Dallas is not small either. And DJ Dallas is only in like his third year playing running back or something, maybe fifth year. Like he played quarterback growing up and he played everything but running back growing up. So he's kind of new to the position. But like those dudes, they look much better running the ball between the tackles, better than I'm used to seeing. And I think you guys would probably agree, you know, as if, if we've watched, you know, Travis Homer, who's watched, DJ Dallas, I just feel like those dudes are just running so much better. Like Travis, is Travis the one who had the uh, the run call back today because because of a hold or something yep. like that? Like I think Travis has been running the ball uh, really, really, really well. I think he he's probably had quite of all the returning guys, he probably had one of the best camps because he just looked like a guy who I you can actually trust. Um, to run the ball between the tackles. I would not have said that if you'd asked me about that in like, I don't know, just even in July. I'm trying to look up Travis's stats as I answer this because I'm pretty sure he ended up being their leading rusher. Let's see. Travis had – oh, no, I think Dallas ended up leading him. But, like, uh, Travis averaged seven and a half yards a pop, you know, on, on his carries, man. That's that's pretty good. I think he only had one negative run, you know, in the preseason. He did, he did a really good job. So I don't, I don't think I have – anyone who helped themselves in this particular game, but Travis and DJ, I think they probably made Pete Carroll feel a little bit better about not having Ken um, for an extended period of time as like a between the tackles runner because DJ and Travis can do it now. Last one. I'm going to combine both of them. 
Mike, how does it feel to be $100 richer? That's from Alex Zerbe. And the last one, what are you spending on your $100? Or what are you going... Wow, I'm just screwing this up. What are you spending your $100 on? And that is from Chris Hamilton at 206 underscore Chris. Oh, I love I love being $100 richer. Um, that's an excellent question. The best question we ever got uh, on the podcast. Ah. My honest opinion there. I Honestly, I... Uh, I knew it was coming. Uh, I had actually, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I had mentioned the bet to, I didn't say who it was between. I actually didn't even say it was a bet. I guess I, it could have been a Vegas wager the way I phrased it. But I mentioned to someone on the team during camp, I was like, I got money on Gino. And that person, they looked at me and it was like, you're good. <laughs> I was like, and this was two or three weeks in the camp. I can't remember. I actually could go back and look and see which day it was, but I, I'm not going to right now. But anyway, point is I knew it was in the bag. I've known that for, for a while. I knew that OTAs. Uh, I really knew it when I went back and watched Broncos tape. I was like, yeah, nah, this guy is not going to work in a Pete Carroll scheme. And that's what it came down to. That's why we spent so much time earlier on the show talking about the fit uh, with Pete. Sadly, I'm not going to do anything extravagant with the bread. Uh, this show will be out Tuesday, or excuse me, this show will be out Saturday morning. Uh, so a lot of you guys are listening to this Saturday. Chris and I are in a fantasy league uh, together, a league that Chris won, actually, uh, last year. Uh, and the buy-in for the – we're doing a live draft at the homie's house uh, Saturday night, and the buy-in is like 50 bucks. I voted for it to stay at 25 Somehow it got changed to 50 But anyway, I told the owner of the league we're, vote, we're, we're uh, drafting at his house – that I have the $50 for him when I get to his house. So I'm spending half of that just on fantasy. <laughs> as bad as I am at fantasy, it's probably going to end up back in Chris's hands by like freaking January. Uh, but anyway, that's when I'm spending at least half of it on the other half of it. Oh, no, you get your money back if I win, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, that That's too complicated to explain. But yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Chris wins the league. Everybody gets their bread back because um, Chris doesn't pay the cover. But yeah, so I'll spend spend the fi- the first fifty on that, and I think the next fifty, I think I'm just gonna get it all in ones and hold on to it. Just specifically those ones, I'm gonna hold on to them. And if I go on the road, see where I go on the road, that's cool this year. Oh, I go to New Orleans. Boom, strip club in New Orleans. There we go. Some of that will be going towards the the cover, and then the rest of uh, the first first uh, black stripper I see, because uh, I only tip black strippers. Uh, <laughs> Still, still holding on to that in 2022. That was a great. I love that we ended the show on that. Ah, uh, why not? Well, you, you had a hundred dollars. More of the story. Don't bet on Drew Lock. You know, Geno Smith did his thing. Didn't turn the ball over. Kept the offense competitive. Just ran the offense. Good job. You win. You didn't lose it. I, there are some quarterback competitions where I could see betting on Drew. Like if he had to go against like Sam Darnold. Um, Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, um, some some of the, some guys like that. I could I could see him uh, winning those. Like if he was to end up in a competition, depending on how this year goes, with like Tua, eh, I could see him winning that. Yeah, uh, Tua does not sound we'll common. We'll see yeah, this year. Definitely. We'll see this year what Tua does. Tua and Jalen Hurts. Honestly, all the Alabama quarterbacks, Mac Jones too. Um, I could see Drew winning that. But yeah, in this competition, I knew is yeah. Gino, I knew Gino wouldn't, to go back to my analogy about having a 30-yard head start and 100-meter dash race, I knew Gino's shoes were tied. He wasn't going to fall. I knew he wasn't going to trip and fall and bust his ass. So there you go. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, 
Shout out to Drew. Shout out to Gino. I will say this about Drew, though. I've been joking a lot. Drew, after losing the job, did come up on the podium. I'm obviously in Seattle. I'm not in Dallas. Uh, but he did come up on the podium after the game and just, just talked, you know, just, just held his press conference as normal. It's very easy to do that when you win the job. It's much harder to do that when you lose the job after throwing three interceptions. So um, kudos to Drew on that. Just, you know, kind of just being a professional about it. Everybody doesn't do that. I've been doing this job for a little bit. Guys never want to talk when it's something bad, whether it's they got illegal trouble, they've had a bad game, they lost a big game. No one ever wants to get up there in front of the cameras. So to do that when he didn't really have to, I wouldn't have. Uh, so, yeah, shout out shout out to Drew uh, on that. But now we're on the Geno show. Geno show it is. So Week one, man. Week one. As much as I thought it was fun, the idea of getting Drew versus Russ – and G- two guys against their old teams, I do like the Geno versus Russ kind of narrative. Yeah, the that, backup versus the starter. The backup who I'm pretty sure, and Geno will never admit this, he's never told it to me to be very clear, I'm not recording this, but I do imagine that Geno probably felt that he could have won the games that Russ lost last year. He probably feels like he would have scored points against Green Bay, which he, he would have. Um, he probably feels like he would have won the game at Washington, which he might have. Um, what's the other one they lost? Oh, Arizona. Arizona. Mm-hmm. Probably feels like he would have beat Colt McCoy. So, which he very well may have. So I do think that there is some there's some ego to Geno. You know, um, shoot, one of those years, I think it was two years ago, uh, there was like ten black starting quarterbacks in Week One. It was like the most ever. And Geno quote tweeted like ESPN's tweet stating that and said it should be eleven. You know, like 11 black starters. Like, there's some ego to him. So, he wants to win this, too. He wants to beat Russ as well. Not like an I hate you way, but just like, hey, I can we're, – we're, we're equals. I'm not your – I'm not your not your backup. I can hmm. do this. Too. So, um, again, Gino ain't going to say none of that. And he's not told me that. I just kind of can tell by how he kicks it that that's how he feels about the situation. So, that, that'll be fun. Can't wait for that. Um can't wait for us to to reveal more about our, our live podcast plans um, coming in the works. We will announce the details soon, so stay tuned yes. for that. We will. Chris is the evil genius working on the details. Uh, uh, It'll be list. taken care of. We're getting it done for sure. Yes. So once that happens, the details will come out, and we'll be ready to roll and see y'all faces as we do a pod. Coming soon. There it is. It's been an episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We appreciate you guys for rocking with us for the last 75 minutes. On that note, we will catch you guys in about mm, two weeks or so, week and a half. We'll come back with something for you. But other than that, Mike, is there anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, just on a scheduling note, yeah, probably won't have a pod in this kind of dead week. Um, that's like the first of college football and stuff like that. We'll, uh, we'll be back before the Broncos game. Promise you we'll be back before the Broncos game that week. We will be back. So uh, probably take like a little week off, um, work on some of the live pod stuff, and then we'll be back. We'll be back. There it is. On that note, we'll catch you guys later. We out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.